Well, we're going to be in a number of different places in your Bible here this morning. I believe uh, first off we'll be over in Deuteronomy. You can turn over there if you like to. But there was a mother who was teaching her young son to use the phone. And she uh, showed him all the numbers to push in order to dial a number. You know, how many numbers you have to push and how you find all the numbers. And so they were there and they were get, he was getting all the explanation. And uh, she dialed a, a particular number and the phone began to ring on the other end. And he's so excited, this is his first phone call. And waiting for someone to answer on the other side, and the phone rang, and the phone rang, and the phone rang, but nobody answered on the other side. And so his mom said, well, we'll just hang up, and we'll call back another time when they're home. And the little boy said, he, he, just, he was not ready to be discouraged, he was not ready to be stopped just yet, he was so hopeful for this first phone call and to go through all this experience. He said, wait a minute, mommy, I think I hear someone coming. Uh, sometimes we get some misplaced hope, don't we? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, just reading it by now, you should have it all, all down and all memorized, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is, for he is faithful. He was promised is faithful. Oh, glory to God. I thank God that he, we serve a God, a Savior, who not only promised, but He's faithful. Amen. Do not waver. We need to get the hope of God in us and we need to have a confession of that hope. We talked about Joseph last week. How Joseph had a hope put in him with a dream that he was going to be a ruler. And he went around and he talked about that confession. Not everybody liked to hear it. There are a lot of folks who got over there and said, you're not going to be a ruler over me. You're not going to do that. Mm-mm, that's not going to happen. And sometimes people will do that with us. So we're talking about here this week, staying hopeful. How do you stay hopeful when people around you want to discourage you from being hopeful? How do you keep that part of it going? Well, before we can get into that, we're going to get into this part. There are three kinds of hope. Maybe there's more than that, but I came up with three kinds. I don't... I thought about it some more. I didn't really think of anything else on this, but three kinds of hope. We said before, hope is always future. Hope is never present tense. If you have present tense hope, you have misplaced hope. You cannot hope for what you already have because you already have it. I don't hope to get a new car if I'm sitting in it. You're in the new car. I don't hope to get a new house if I'm already moved in. You hope for what is future. But under the three kinds of hope, there is hope that is a near future, or I put this down this way, arriving. We have, we have some things we're hoping for, and we know they're arriving soon. Just like if you have uh, invited guests over, and you are looking forward to their, their arrival. Aren't you hoping for their arrival? But you don't think they're arriving next year, do you? No, you got the meal on, you got the stuff coming out of the oven. You got things in the refrigerator, you got the table set. Why? Because you expect them to be arriving soon. soon. You know, sometimes we set up a dinner for six o'clock, seven o'clock, the guests are supposed to come in around then. How many of y'all know everyone is on time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, everyone's always on time. No one's ever late for a dinner dinner appointment. Now sometimes things happen and they're supposed to get there at six, it might be six o'clock and you're listening for the door. But they're not there. They haven't rung the doorbell yet. 6.15, 6.30, not sure what's up. But you are still expecting their arrival. You're still hopeful, right? Now, if they arrive at 6.30, they ring the doorbell, you answer the door, and you, you bring them on in. You don't come in there and say, boy, I hope you get here. Because hope is always future. But some future is shorter than others. So, there are some things that are just arriving. When, when God or His Word says what, what, the, what the Word or what God says will happen soon. I mis, uh, misspelled that a little bit, but miswrote that a little bit. You can just fix that up. What God or His Word says will happen soon. There are some things we know will happen soon. They haven't happened yet, but we know they're going to happen soon. And these are the things we have that. In other words, any day now. 
Any day now, this is going to happen. In Deuteronomy 1.21, it said, Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. The Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. This is an arriving hope. This is a group of people who was wandering around the wilderness waiting for the day to come and take the promised land. And the day came. And they say, Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. Go up and possess it. This is, this is, this is still hopeful. They haven't possessed it yet, right? We don't have it yet. But we're hopeful to go up there and get it. But the time is now. This is not for a hundred years down in the future. The time is now. This is a, this is come. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord your, Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. There's, there's some things that we hope for that are coming really soon. Really soon. Like the dinner guests. Like the pay raise. Your boss says, next month I'm going to give you a pay raise. That's an arriving hope. That's coming soon, right? We're looking forward to that. Thank God it's not next year. Thank God it's not 10 years from 10 years from now, I'll give you a pay raise. How many of you are doing a dance of joy? Uh huh. I mean, 10 years and working for the same. What do you mean? <laughs> Come on. Now we have some things that are arriving. The time is short. But we didn't know what those, what those things are. Third, uh, the second kind of hope is awaiting hope. Awaiting. We have arriving. It's about here. And then there's those things that we're waiting on yet. Awaiting hope. What the God of His, what, what God or His Word says will happen. What God or His Word says will happen. At a time to come. Not happening yet. But it will soon. But it's not happening yet. This is for a time in the future. This is not a time for, for right now. But this is something in the future. It's an unknown time. Joseph had a dream that he would be a ruler. It wasn't that he would be a ruler tomorrow. He didn't know when it was. It was for an unknown time. This was one he was waiting on. I'm not sure how long I'm waiting on this. I'm not sure when it's coming. But I know it's coming because God said. And he was convinced. God's going to make me a ruler. God's going to do these things for me. He's excited about it. We have arriving hope. Those things that we are anticipating. Any moment. Any day. Any time. This this hope could come. And then those things that we're not sure when they're going to come. Don't really have a timetable on this. When to expect it. Might be soon. We don't know. How many of us are awaiting for the second... or Not the second coming, but the uh, coming of Jesus Christ for His church? Yeah. Yes. I'm waiting. I don't know when that's going to be. How many of you want it to be tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> As we've said before, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> Let's go. But we don't know exactly when that's going to be. We hope it's really soon. But we keep looking around at what's going on in the world and we say, it can't be long. But then I think back to Paul. And Paul says, any day now. Resort. He says soon. Actually, he doesn't say any day now. Soon. Oof. I mean, Paul knew a whole lot about the church. He apparently didn't know much about the return of Jesus Christ as far as its timing. Because he's ready for it. Here it comes. And it, it took a, it, we're still waiting. 2,000 years later. Now, for most of us, 2,000 years is not soon. Right? That's long. But awaiting hope, we don't know what the time frame is. We're not sure what this is. So there's those, some things we expect anytime. Those things we're still hoping for. We still have the Word of God on it, but we're just not sure when this thing is supposed to come out. Joseph in his dream is an example of that. Then we have those things where the, that are associated with the new kingdom. The new kingdom. We know they're coming. We know they're not coming now. We know they're not coming tomorrow. We know there's a time frame in which they will come and that time frame is not now. It's for the new kingdom. It's for when Christ comes and sets up His new His new kingdom. And that's not for now. So we have hopes that are around the new kingdom. We have hopes that are awaiting. We're not sure when they're coming. And we have those that are arriving. Should be any time now. 
So those are the three kinds of hope we put in. Again, all of them are future. New kingdom hope is not for this life, it's but for the life to come. It's for the kingdom when Christ sets up His kingdom. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, there was a joy that was set before Him. He endured the cross. We talk about that negative aspects of hope. He endured the cross for what was ahead. Even consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Consider Him. How many times have we become weary in a hope? Have we not become weary? How many of you have got promises that you know either came from His Word or you felt or you heard God say to you, a promise, and it hasn't happened yet. And you're waiting. You maybe first thought, boy, this is an arriving hope. It could be any day. Then you pretty much have said, I don't know when this thing is coming. But I know it's coming. I know this is coming. Not sure when, but I know this thing is coming. And it still doesn't come. We can get discouraged. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Nothing worse than weary, being weary and being discouraged in your soul as far as hope is concerned. That will wear you out. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which speak, the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what, sons, what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all of you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and, and live? For indeed, for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we be partakers of his holiness. When are we partakers of his holiness? Well, when we get into heaven and God says, "You are you, you, the holiness comes upon us, then we look forward to it. We're declared to be righteous now, but you all know we don't live exactly holy. But boy, the day's coming. We're going to be in that holiness. Glory to God for that. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. And the feeble knees. Sometimes we've got to get strengthened. Sometimes we get a little feeble in the knees because we become weary. We become discouraged. The hope that was out there, I'm not pursuing it the way that I was before. I'm not as renewed on it. I thought it was coming soon. It hasn't come, so maybe it's, it's, it's just for some time in the future, but I don't know when it is. Joseph, we talked about some of the discouragement that he faced as he waited for this promise to get there. As God had called him to be a ruler. And it hadn't happened. And he had been sold into slavery. And then he was put in prison. And it still hasn't had him going on. Thirteen years he was waiting for all this stuff to come about. And surely he could have gotten discouraged. And all the different things that came against Joseph. But he endured them. And he kept that hope alive. We've got to keep the hope that God gives us alive. We can't get weary. We can't get discouraged. We've got to hang on. So if... God is exhorting us to be careful about being weary, to be careful about being discouraged, that these things will, will hurt us, then if you were the enemy, what would you try and do? Discourage you and get you weary. Right? So, you know the enemy is going to come in and try and get you discouraged and try and get you weary. How many of you give into it anyway? Don't raise your hand. We give into it anyway. 
I know the enemy's out to discourage me. Oh, I'm so discouraged. Have you ever said that? Maybe sometimes in your prayer time, going before God. Oh, God, I'm so discouraged. What do you think the enemy's doing? We got him. This is good. We've got him discouraged. Oh, Father, I'm so weary. I'm so tired. Day after day after day pursuing this thing. How many of us have talked to God like that? Oh, we're getting weary. We're getting discouraged. What do you think the enemy's doing? Enemy's thinking, we're doing all right. It's working. Keep it up. Keep it up. This isn't good. If you want to have victory over the enemy, then you can't keep letting the enemy know he's getting the best of you. You've got to get that football player mentality we've talked about before. You know when that wide receiver catches that ball 40 yards and some uh, safety lays out and hits him, knocks him flat on the carpet, right on the grass. What's, this, what's the uh, receiver do? Oh, that hurt. Oh, I don't think I want to catch the ball anymore. Oh, that, re- oh, that was painful. Don't hit it me so hard. Can you lighten up a little bit next time? Come on, I'll go down a little easier. Do we, what would happen then? What would happen to the safety? Would he come over and say, I'm sorry. Man, I shouldn't have hit you so hard. I just got into the moment and I'll be more sensitive about your needs the next time you come across the middle to catch the ball. No, what's he do? He gets excited. Oh, you thought that hurt? Just wait on the next one. <laughs> no, what's the wide receiver supposed to do when he's in that situation? Bounce up. Get up. Right away. Fast. Get back in the huddle. Get back with your own comrades. And then you can say, oh, that hurt. But we got 50 yards. <laughs> Give it to me again. <laughs> we got to have that same mentality with the devil. God says, be, be careful. Don't get discouraged. Don't get weary. Discouragement and weariness, this is going to hurt, hurt you. This is the enemy. So the enemy knows this is what I got to do. I got to get you discouraged. I got to get you weary. So I'm going to find something that's going to get you discouraged and something that's going to get you weary. And for everyone, it's a little bit different. For not everyone is it the same. So what is it that works for you? May not work for someone else. It's okay. It works for you. So he's going to come after you with that. Discouragement comes when a hope is in the wrong place. We can get discouraged by having a hope in the wrong place. If I think a hope that, it, that should be in the category of awaiting, I don't know when it comes, and I put it into the arriving category, I expect it to be here any day. Would you grow weary? Put it to you this way. If your boss is telling you, I'm going to give you a raise, and you think that means in my next paycheck, and you go in and check out your next paycheck and it's not there, how many of you get discouraged? No, you can wait another week. Oh, it's probably just took a little while to get the paperwork through. And, and you, you wait for the next paycheck and it's not there. Well, we're not looking at it quite the same way. And you wait for the next paycheck and it's not there. How many of you get discouraged? How many of you are going after your, your job with the same gusto? How many of you, when you're going to work, you're beginning to feel a little bit more weary? And you begin to say, why am I working so hard? They've made promises to me and they're not coming through. It's the same thing with God. If God has made a, a promise but has not put a time frame on it and I move it into a category like it should be here any day, I'm going to have trouble. I'm going to get weary. I'm going to get discouraged because I think it should be here and it's not. The same way, if God has made a promise about the new kingdom, and I take that new promise, that promise for the new kingdom, and make it for today, in this life, I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to get weary. So if you were the enemy, would you just not mess up the timing of the hope? The expectation of the timing of the hope? Because if the enemy can corrupt your expectation of the timing of the hope, he can set you up for discouragement, he can set you up for being weary, he can set you up to give up on your hope. Couldn't he? Wouldn't you try and do that if you were the enemy? There are three kinds of hope. You better know where it fits. Is this something that should come any day? 
How many of you think that Joseph thought his hope was arriving? Any day now. But it wasn't. It was for a time waiting in the future. It wasn't for when he died and went on to heaven. But it was for the future. Generally, we miss it by expecting it too early. <laughs> I bet you I didn't have to tell you that one, right? Isn't that right? I mean, you never get discouraged expecting a hope that's too late. Oh, I didn't expect that for another five years. What's it doing here now? You open up your paycheck and there's a, a nice dollar an hour raise. And you, you think, I didn't think that was happening for another three years yet. Wow, how did that get in there now? Now, most times, we move the thing up too, too early. I think it should be here this week. It's going to be here next month. I think it should be here next month and it's going to be next year. We're always moving it up too early. That's generally the problem. All right, so we established three kinds of hope. Now let's get into the discouragement. I put in there three kinds of discouragement, but I don't think I actually... I was, uh, we'll get into more of them as we, as we get on here. But First off, when what we thought had arrived seemed to be unobtainable. First kind of discouragement. When what we thought had arrived seemed to be unattainable. What would happen if you were expecting something to arrive and all of a sudden when you were right there, right on the on the precipice, right at that point where, oh, I can get out. Oh, it's, it's just there. And it seems like you can't get it. Would that be tough? Back over in Deuteronomy. Verse 22, chapter 1. And every one of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us and let, us, and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. The plan pleased me well, so I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us, saying, It is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. So they went into their tents and they did what? Complained. Were they thankful? No, no we just finished that series up. we got to always be thankful. They stopped being thankful. When you're not thankful... You're getting into complaining. You're getting into griping. You're getting into moaning. We are called to always be thankful. As we told you before, there is no middle ground. You are either thankful or you are one or the other. There's no place in between. It's not like you're either short or tall. Right? I mean, there's some places in between being short and tall. There's, it's, it's not like that. You are either thankful or you are unthankful. unthankful. Just like you are either pregnant or you are not pregnant. There's, there's nothing in between. Understanding that should keep you in the area of Thanksgiving all the time. These folks didn't. They got out of the area of Thanksgiving before they were. We're here. Glory to God. We're here. You know they're thankful then. We are at the promised land. We are at the place God has blessed us with. Let's send out the spies. Let's let them bring back some stuff. Let's see what's ours. And they come back and now they're discouraged because of who's there. And you complain in your tents because the Lord hates us. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the son of Zanakin there. Therefore, I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, He will fight for you according to all He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. In all the way that you went until you come to this place, yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God. They got discouraged. They got to the place the hope was there. They had arrived. The hope was in front of them. They were within days of walking into the promised land. Within days of engaging the first battle. And they talked themselves out of it. No, we can't do it. No, it's not going to work. 
No, it's, that's not going to happen. They became fearful. Fear robbed them of their hope. Fear robbed them of their hope. Fear robs us of our hope. We get fearful. I begin to think it's not going to happen. It can't happen. We begin to think these things and fear comes in. And it robs us of our hope. Oh, it's hard to maintain hope when you are afraid. It's hard to do that. It's hard to maintain faith when you're in fear. And faith needs hope. Hope needs faith. Fear comes in and messes it up. And you've got a problem. Well, when what we thought would eventually come probably isn't, is the second one. When what we thought would eventually come probably isn't. When what we, first off, when what we thought had arrived seemed to be unattainable. That's tough. That'll discourage you. I thought it had arrived. I've been waiting for it to get here. I opened the door. Nothing. The second, when we, when what we thought would eventually come It probably isn't. I thought that was coming. I I thought that was on its way. I thought this was going to be now. It doesn't look like it's coming. This uh, Joseph could have felt this. Joseph had the dream. I'm going to be a ruler. God's called me to be a ruler. He wants me to be in that position. And then all of a sudden, he gets sold into slavery. Then he gets thrown into prison. How many of you are thinking, he's got to be in this spot here. He thought it would eventually come. But he realized that at some point he probably is thinking it probably isn't. Have you had a promise from God? Whether for you individually or something from the Word of God? And you thought it would eventually come. But then all of a sudden one day you begin to wrestle with I wonder if it even is. I wonder if it's ever going to be here. I wonder if it's ever going to get out of that place of being in a waiting hope and get into where I'm expecting it to be arriving at any day. Will that ever happen? Will it always be a hope? Will it always be a promise? It's just not defined as the when is coming. An unknown time. So Joseph certainly battled this. Generations after Joseph knew a deliverer would come and set them free from from Egypt, wouldn't he? Didn't they know that? They knew someone was coming. They were looking for a deliverer. God said for 400 years, your people are going to be oppressed by another nation. For 400 years, ended up being 430, mostly because of Moses. But for four, he said 400 years, you're going to be in that position. So as they were waiting those 400 years, they could have just gone back to the Word of God and they could have seen from the Word of God 400 years. We got 400 years. We're only into this for 100 years. This is a hope, but it's a waiting hope and we, this, this is a, this is waiting. This is out there. It's going to be a while. We don't need to move this up into the area of sooner. We don't need to move this up to a place where I'm expecting it to arrive because God said 400 years. So if you're 100 years into it and if you're the Israelites and you're expecting, where's the deliverer? He should be here. Where is that? He should be here looking for the deliverer. You're going to get discouraged because you've misapplied the hope. That'll be a problem. Don't do that. Don't misapply hope. Understand, when did God say? If you're an Israelite, you say, I don't want to wait 400 years. That's great for the people 400 years from now. But I'm, na- I'm in the now. What you're telling me is i got to live my whole life. I'm going to be a slave. Oh, I don't like this. My whole life I'm going to be oppressed by the Egyptians. Well, what's their happiness dependent upon? You can just be happy about God. And that's what they should have been. Father God, we thank you that you are making Israel a great nation. You are going to lead us up out of here and you are going to have us do mighty things. And I am part of the people that needed to be here to accomplish this. And I thank you, Father, that you called me and made me part of this 400-year period. And I'm looking forward to the descendants that will come from me, that they're going to have this freedom. They're going to be walking in this land. And you're just joyful. Always thankful. Just going around, thank God, thank God. Look at the promise. Just going up to shaking people. Hey, do you know what the promise of God is? In, in 300 more years, He said 400. we got 300 more years to go. 300 more years, the deliverer is going to come. We're going to be brought up out of this land. And they just keep encouraging each other on that. But they weren't. What were they doing? God forgot about us. 
It's not going to happen. We're going to be here the rest of our lives and the rest of those lives after that and the distance are probably just going to kill us. Probably all just going to die right here. They got so discouraged, the Word of God tells us, they began to serve the, the idols of the Egyptians. They got into idolatry. They stopped worshiping the Lord their God. They stopped learning the things that God would have them learn. They didn't carry those things over because they got discouraged. Again, if you're the enemy, what are you going to do? Cause people to be discouraged. Cause them to grow weary. Because weary people do things they wouldn't otherwise do. If you are weary, if you are tired, you'll take a shortcut. If you are weary and you are tired, you'll go to bed early. What does it mean to go to bed early? To go to bed at a time that is not usual. To go to bed earlier than you usually go to bed. Which means you're not doing what you would have done in those, in those times. Because you got discouraged. It got you out of your pattern. Now, I'm not saying don't ever go to bed early sometimes. Sometimes you might be tired and go to bed early. But you start a pattern like that. You keep going to bed early. Pretty soon going to bed early is, is going to bed on time. Instead of going to bed at 10 o'clock, now you're going to bed at 9. Then you're going to bed at 8. Then you're going to bed at 6. Then you go to bed at 5. I mean, your day just disappearing. Well, where do you stop it? Well, I was, I was just tired. I figured I better go to bed early. If you move your go-to-bed time from 10 o'clock to 8 o'clock and now you go to bed early, what time are you going to go to bed? Well, it's got to be earlier than 8 because that's the time you usually go to bed. So it's got to be 7. And then if 7 becomes your normal time, then 6. Now, if you go to bed those at any of those hours, that's fine. You go to bed when you, when you need to. Some of you get up real early and have to get going to bed earlier in order to accomplish that. But you're not going to fulfill the call that God has for you sleeping. Can't sleep all day. Can't sleep 10, 12, 13 hours. How many know you could do that when you were a kid? How many of you, when you were, when you were a kid, would go to bed at 9 o'clock at night and sleep right through till 9, 10 o'clock the next day? Can you think about those days? Can you remember those days? Wow. Going to bed at 9 o'clock and sleeping in on a Saturday until 9, 10 o'clock in the, in the morning. Oh, what would that be like? I mean, most times, you know, we've gone through college, you've gone through the work schedules. Everybody's always putting demands on you. You've got to be up early. And your body just starts to wake up at 6 o'clock. It just is up. It starts waking up at earlier times than you would before. And you just don't, don't sleep in all that well. But it would be nice too, wouldn't it? Being to think about that and, oh. But see, this is what the devil wants to do. He wants to get in and get you discouraged. If he gets you discouraged, he gets you to do something out of your pattern. Well, if you can go to bed early and that can become a new pattern, how many of you all know that you can stop reading the Word? You can stop praying. You can stop pursuing after God. You can stop meditating on His promises. You can stop confessing His Word. You can stop these things because you got discouraged. We talked about the proclaiming hope last week. Talked about some of the college students that were out there. John was one of the examples we used. He's going to Georgetown. Georgetown. He's going around saying, I'm going to Georgetown. You put it, if you look on his Facebook page, he says he's class of, uh, what is it? 2014. 2000, puts that on there. What is that? That's a proclaimed hope. He hasn't even started yet. He's already speaking about when he's going to graduate. Right? <laughs> Isn't that a proclaimed hope? Absolutely. And that's a good thing to be proclaiming those kind of things and to be speaking those kind of things out. But after a while, you can get in there and you can, he, he might get into Georgetown and find out, man, this is hard. I mean, I thought high school was tough. This is, wow. How many of you all felt that when you got to college? It's like, wow. <laughs> now, I know John. I know he's, he's better prepared for it. Brandon's over there. Brandon went from high school into college. How was it? It was hard. It was hard. But you did it, right? Yeah, you did it. You kept all going, but it was tough. It, there was things in there that might crowd out and begin to make you think, am I going to be class of 2014? Will I graduate at all? Will I graduate in 2015? Will I graduate by 2020? You know, these kind of thoughts can come into your, to your head and you begin to meditate on these and instead of proclaiming, I am class of 2014, 
the discouragement begins to come in. And you begin to, to sit in and, oh, it's hard. It's hard. Because you're getting discouraged. You're getting weary. You're not proclaiming that hope the way you were before. What does Hebrews 10 tell us? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without? For He who promised. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do to hold fast that, that confession of that hope. What has God said about you? God says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. God says, I am forgiven of my sins. God says, I have a bright future. God says, I am the head, not the tail. God says, I am blessed going in, blessed coming out. God says that every place in which the foot of my foot shall tread, it's mine. God says, He will be with me always. How many of you have ever proclaimed that hope? God said He will be with me always. What do we usually proclaim in, in prayer time when we're discouraged? God, why have you left me? I feel all alone. I feel like you don't care. Are we proclaiming the hope of that message? No. We're proclaiming a different hope. Because we got weary, we got discouraged, so we started proclaiming something different. They stopped being believing a hope. They stopped it. They, they, they quit. They quit believing that hope that they had. Well, as we said, Joseph battled this, the generation of Egypt, they battled it. They kept fighting. Generations after Joseph knew a deliverer had, would come to free them from Egypt. But this stopped being a hope for most and became a, a beloved myth. How many times do we have the thing that used to be a hope and now it's a beloved myth? Oh, I like the myth. I wish the thing was true. But it's just a myth. It's not going to happen. They're supposed to, God, the, the people are talking. There's supposed to be some kind of deliverer, but it's not going to happen. I would love it to happen, but it's not. It's a beloved myth. They let go of what God said. They believed their circumstances instead and they were led into a different type of hope than the one God had promised. Remember we told you before? Follow after the promises of God. Don't be led into a hope by circumstances. Follow after the promises of God. They were led into a different hope than the one that God had promised. God had promised them, I'm going to send you a deliverer. He's going to bring you out. And I'm going to make a great and mighty nation of you. Here's the third one. When what we thought God had laid up for us may not be there. And I thought God laid that up. I thought that's what a promise was. I thought that's what He said. How many of you all know that the Word of God says, I go and prepare a place for you that where I, I am, there you may be also. But then, what happens if something comes in and begins to attack that hope? That hope that says, God has prepared a place for me. And the devil comes in and attacks that. Is there, you think God's really preparing a place for you? And what have you done? You think there's really a place in heaven for you? You think there's really going to be a rulership and reignership for you? He begins to attack that. That's part about the future. When what we thought God had laid up for us, it may not be there at all. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. And a bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastland shall wait for his law. He will not fail, nor be discouraged. He will not fail, nor be discouraged. Boy, that's got to be what we can be said about us. We will not fail. We will not be discouraged. We sometimes need to look the enemy in the, in the eyes and say, I will not fail. I will not be discouraged. God has called me to accomplish this and I will not fail. I will not be discouraged. God has called me to do this. God has called me to accomplish this. God has called me to learn this. God has called me in this area. I will not fail. Nor will I be discouraged. 
just stand up in the face of the enemy and let him know, this will not happen. This will not go on. We've got to keep your, our hope in its proper timing. Is it a promise for soon, someday, or still to come? What is it? Soon? Arriving? Someday? I'm awaiting this one. Not to know exactly when it's coming. But I will soon. Or still to come for the future. For the kingdom that will be coming out. we got to guard against the enemies that come against our hope. Hope has enemies. Hope has... Faith has enemies. Love has enemies. Folks, hope has enemies too. You can write these in your... On your outline, you're on your own. We already talked about this one, but one of Hope's enemies is, is fear. I am afraid of failing. I'm afraid of not accomplishing this. I'm afraid this won't happen. I'm afraid this won't come to me. There's fear that comes in. And we're no longer stepping out. We're no longer moving out in those areas because I fear this thing. This may not happen. How many of you all know that jo- Joseph could have uh, accepted fear? When he was sold into slavery, it felt like a failure. I, I, I was building up to that, to that place that God had called me to. And now here I am, I'm, I'm a slave. And he may have had that whole thing come on and just fear rob him of his hope and just not been the diligent person he was before. Not been the person who was getting in there and making things happen. But he didn't. He didn't let that come in. He got in there and became the best servant in that house. So that Potiphar trusted him more than anyone else. And then did the same thing in the prison. He stayed the same person. Fear will try and rob you. Fear is an enemy of your hope. If you are experiencing fear, it didn't come from God. We know His Word tells us that. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear does not come from Him. We're not talking about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about I'm afraid of this thing. Guard against enemies, uh, hope's enemies. Guard against it. Fear is the first one. The second one, anger. How many of you have ever gotten angry? Anger will rob you of your hope. Anger can get in and rob you of your hope. How many of you have been to your job? You're working at your job. The job is fun. The job is good. And then all of a sudden, someone does something. A boss does something or a coworker does something and makes you what? Angry. What happens? What happens to the hope of that job? Boy, suddenly you went from having the best job in the world to the worst job in the world. Have you ever been there with that one? Oh, man, I've been there with that one. You got angry. How many of you all have uh, hope for your kids? How many of you believe when your kids were born you had the best kids in the world? A couple of you. Some of you knew right off the bat they were stinkers. (laughs) Those kids grew up and they did some things that made you mad, didn't they? Oh, you got angry at those kids. What happened to your hope while you were angry at those kids? Were you still hoping for the best? Were you still hoping that they were going to become great, mighty warriors? What happened? can't believe this kid did this. Oh, man. Surely this is my husband's side coming out. <laughs> Right? Surely this isn't coming from me. <laughs> and you get angry at what they're doing. Did, why would, how dare they subject me to this? Anger will rob you of your hope. Because you get uh, that anger comes in. Now it's, it's unfair. This isn't right. This shouldn't be happening to me. If Joseph got angry at his situation, would he have still pursued it? Still pursued the dream? No, he's busy being mad. Anger is an enemy of hope. Don't give in to it. Word of God has a lot of things to say about anger. We're not getting into all those yet. We're not really focusing on the enemies of hope. Just identifying them here right now. Here's a big one. Insufficiency. Insufficiency. When Israel came to the promised land and the spies came back and told them about all the good fruit and told them about the giants, what did they feel? Insufficient. We were grasshoppers in their eyes. They were giants. They have great walled cities. They have chariots. They have horses. We've got nothing. They felt insufficient. 
insufficiency will dash your hopes. What does the Word of God say about your insufficiency? My God has supplied all my need according to my riches and glory. His riches. Oh, that makes a difference, doesn't it? <laughs> if it's according to my riches and glory, I'm not doing so well. But if it's according to His riches and glory, if it's according to His strength, it's according to His ability, it's according to His knowledge, then that changes things. Insufficiency is an enemy to your hope. It is an enemy to keep you from doing your job. It is an enemy to keep you from being the parent that God has called you to be. It's an enemy that keeps you from being the spouse that you were called to be. It's an enemy that keeps you from being the child of God that you were called to be. Because every time that God tries to motivate you to get you to move into that area where He's called you, get out there and share the gospel with people. Get out there and minister to people. Pray for them. Help them out. What happens on the inside? Oh, I'm no good. Oh, I don't want to pray for them because nothing ever happens when I pray. I mean, I don't know the word like so-and-so. If I knew the word like so-and-so, I'd probably do a little bit more. But we feel insufficient. And so instead of going after the hope, I'm insufficient. I'm not getting it done. Insufficiency, folks, is an enemy of hope. You've got to meditate on the promise, meditate on what God said about how you can get that accomplished, what you can do. Here's the last one. Resentment. Resentment will dash your hope. Because you're sitting there spending all this time on resenting this person, resenting that person, and, and mad at this one, bitter at this one. Don't let resentment get on in. You can resent God. You can resent having this calling. If you were Jeremiah, how many of you would resent the, having the calling that Jeremiah had? Always get beaten. Go out there and, pray, and preach the Word. People beat me. They don't listen. I don't get any converts. Nobody responds. And I go and God gives me another word. I go out and give it another word and I get beaten again. How many of you all know you can resent God for calling you to that? God, why don't you call somebody else to this? I, I like some of these other people's callings better. I mean, come on. Elijah. Elijah. I mean, people did this to him. He called down fire on them. They burn them up. They wouldn't do that to him too much. Nope, me. They throw me in pits. Beat me up. We can get resentful. Now, if you look at that all together, fear, anger, insufficiency, resentment, look at that spells. Oh, we always think things are unfair, don't we? It's unfair. I shouldn't have this when so-and-so has that. Don't be, don't be messing with that. You're going to get resentful. You're going to get angry. You don't need to have all those kind of things come in. Hope is not meant to be fair. I don't know where we ever got this idea that God was fair. God is not fair. He's anything but fair. He's righteous. He's just. But He never says He's fair. I'm shocking some of you with this one, aren't I? I hope so. When uh, Jesus gives the parable and the, 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 the folks went out there and they did things with the talents and the things that God had given them. And the uh, one guy who comes up at the end and he doesn't do anything with his. He takes his and he gives it to who? The one who had the most. And then he even says in the parable, people says, you know, that's kind of unfair. He's got so much. And he answers and says, you know, that's right. It is unfair. Let me take that back and give it to somebody else and distribute this a little bit better. <laughs> What's he say? To whom has much, more will be given. Does that sound fair? Does that sound fair? No. God is not fair. What God is, is if you've shown you can handle it, I'll give it to you. But until you show you can handle it, I don't. He's smart. <laughs> He's a smart God. No, it's not about being fair. Everybody wants to get out there and you know, be fair. Everything should be fair. It not, everything should not be fair. Some people are better able to handle stuff than others. If everything was fair, how about if we all run some of the major banks? We all take our turn. You know, This week it's your turn. Next week it's my turn. We'll just run the bank. What will happen to, the, our, to our system here in the 
Oh, man. Because, you know what? We're not all skilled. I know I'm not. I haven't a clue what, the, what those guys are doing. They're making decisions and they have far-reaching effects I can't even see past next week. As far as all that is concerned. No, that's not fair. They've, they've trained themselves up. They put themselves in those positions. Thank God for people who know what they're doing. It's not about being fair, folks. Your hope is not based on everything being fair. Your hope is based on God's Word and His promises. What has God promised you? Say, Father God, if you only give me one talent, I'm going to do the best I can with that one talent. I don't care if brother so-and-so has five. I don't care if sister so-and-so has ten. If you give me one, I'm going to do everything I can with that one. I will be faithful with that one. If you give me three, I'm going to be faithful with those three. I'm going to do the best I can with those three. There was not one time that God came up to these folks and said, you gave me two and I produced another two. How come you didn't produce another four? He didn't say that. Look at that guy over here. The guy, he, he had five and he got five. He earned five more. How come you didn't earn five more? How come you only earned two? He doesn't do that. They were faithful what they were given. And he was just as pleased with their results. Thank God for that. But God didn't start off saying, you know what, let's give everybody a fair shake here. He gave each according to their ability. God has given to you according to your ability. He's given you promises according to your ability. Some of those promises are specific to you. Some are in general to everyone in the, in the Word of God. Stop squawking, squawking about being fair. You know what that is? It's a tactic of the enemy to get you discouraged and get you weary. To get you to focus on something else. God never wanted you to focus on how much did I get. He wants you to focus on how faithful are you with what you have. What are you doing with what God has given you? The knowledge that God has given you, what are you doing with it? The ability to pray, minister to other people, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Get out there and do something. And have that hope and keep proclaiming it. Don't allow, allow discouragement, fear, weariness to set in. Because it, it can. Joseph was a great story last week for us to see how discouragement and weariness could set in. Don't let it set in there for you. You hold fast to what God has promised you. You hold fast and do it. Glory be to God. Just stand up with me. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the promises that are in it. There are some promises that You have made to all of us. And sometimes You have come down and specifically made certain promises to certain ones. We've covered some of them in the Word of God and how you came down to Peter and said certain things about him and came down to Paul and said certain things about him. You'll speak to us certain things about our life that are different from the person on our left or right. But I thank you, Father, that you speak to us. That we have promises in your Word. We have promises that you have specifically made to us. And these form our hope. And we need to continue not be weary, not grow weary, but to continue on our confession and keep speaking it out. I am this. I am going to do this. Abraham continually said, I am the father of many, even when he was not. He kept proclaiming a future that was different from his present. And Father, I thank you for the help that you give us to accomplish what it is that you told us to accomplish. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.